30. Sick. The swelling goiter has all gone from my neck. I don't have any bad feelings. My gratitude for the benefit I have received from your treatment has induced me to recommend you to all whom I know to be sick. I have known of two or three middle-aged ladies residing near here, who have been cured by your favorite prescription. GOIDRE Cured, World's Dispensary Medical Association, Buffalo, NY. Dear sirs I can say that your medicine has done its work well in the case of my sister, Miss Rachel Mann. She is entirely well of goiter and throat trouble. I am glad to say that we can recommend your medicines very highly. Very truly yours. Mary J. Mann. For Sister Rachel Mann. Romola. Center Company Pond. Carbuncles Large A.S. Hens Eggs. 8 or 10 years afflicted. 2 bottles only. Cure. World's Dispensary Medical Association. Buffalo. N.Y. Gentlemen for about 8 or 10 years my father was laid up with carbuncles. The worst that I ever saw. He tried everything he heard of. And his doctor did everything he could for him. But nothing did him any good. Had six or seven carbuncles at a time. As large as a hen's egg. He got so weak and suffered so much he could not walk a step. It was in the summer of 72 or 73 that he had his bed put in the middle of his chamber and got on it to die. No one expected him to get well. Looking over the newspapers. He saw your golden medical discovery advertised. And the good it had done. There was not any soul then in the country, so he sent to a Richmond 45 miles and got a bottle. When he began to take it he was nearly covered with carbuncles little and big together. Before he had taken half a bottle they began to go away. Before he had taken two bottles he was entirely cured, and he has never been bothered with them since. Every time he sees any sign of them, he gets a bottle of golden medical discovery and it cures them. My father, call, T.U. Fogg. Lives in West Point, Kin William Company, VA. He is now 78 years old, and enjoys good health. Yours truly, Mrs. Anayan and I, G-O-U-L-D Anayan, Bulaville, Kin William Company, VA. Thick neck, G-O-I-D-R-E, thick neck, or goiter, also sometimes called bronchocele, consists of an enlargement of the thyroid gland, which lies over and on each side of the trachea, or windpipe, between the prominence known as Adam's apple and the breastbone. The tumor gradually increases in front and laterally, until it produces great deformity, and often interferes with respiration and the act of swallowing. From its pressure on the great blood vessels running to and from the head, there is a constant liability to engorgement of blood in the brain, and to apoplexy, epilepsy, etc. When the enlargement once makes its appearance, it continues to increase in size as long as the person lives, unless appropriate treatment be resorted to. It never disappears spontaneously. These tumors are much larger than those not familiar with them would suppose from their outward appearance, as they extend under and are bound down by the muscles on each side of the neck, so that they become embedded in the cellular tissues underneath, while the sides of the neck retain, to a considerable extent, their round and even appearance, whereby the real magnitude of the tumor is not apparent. Figure 7 represents the appearance of the neck of a person afflicted with this disease. The form of protuberance varies materially with different persons, that shown in the engraving being the shape which it ordinarily assumes. The causes of the affection are not well understood. The use of snow water, or water impregnated with some particular saline or calcareous matter, has been assigned as a cause. It has also been attributed to the use of water in which there is not a trace of iron, iodine, or bromine. A writer in a Swiss journal, Fuis de Hygiene, 
states that the disease is often due to an impeded circulation in the large veins of the neck, from pressure of the clothing, or from the head being bent forward, a position which is often seen in school children, when the muscles of the back of the neck have become fatigued. Treatment. We had obtained wonderful results by a new method of treatment, which consists in the employment of electrolysis in conjunction with other therapeutic means. There is scarcely a case in which this treatment, properly carried out, will not effect a radical cure. It is attended with no danger whatever. Those who are afflicted with this disease and unable to avail themselves of special treatment, cannot do better than to take Drive Pierce's alterative extract, or golden medical discovery, and apply to the skin over and around the tumor. Night and morning the following solution which may be prepared at any drug store, iodine, 1 dram, iodide of potassium, 4 drams, dissolve in 3 ounces of soft water, apply to the tumor twice a day, with a feather or hair pencil, mumps, PAROTIDIs, this is an inflammation of the parotid glands and generally occurs in childhood, it is often epidemic, and is manifestly contagious, it usually, though not always, appears on both sides of the neck at the same time, symptoms, an external, movable swelling, just below and in front of the ear, near the angle of the jaw, is the prominent symptom, the enlargement is not circumscribed, but hard and painful, and attended with more or less fever, derangement of the secretions, and difficulty in swallowing, the swelling increases until the fourth and fifth day, when it gradually diminishes, and by the eighth or tenth is entirely gone, sometimes the disease is accompanied by swelling of the breasts in the female, or the testicles in the male, treatment, usually but little treatment is necessary, exposure to cold should be avoided, if severe or painful, with febrile symptoms, a hot foot bath and small doses of the compound extract of smartweed, in some diaphoretic infusion, to induce sweating, together with small doses of aconite, will produce good results, if swelling of the testicles threatens which seldom happens except on taking cold, resort should be had to mild cathartics, the spirit vapor bath, stimulating liniments to the neck, and warm fomentations to the part attacked if delirium occurs, a physician should be summoned, influenza, or la grip, this is an infectious disease, characterized by depression, and usually associated with a catarrhal condition of the mucous membrane, it may affect the respiratory organs or the intestinal canal, there is a marked liability to serious complications, of which pneumonia is the most dangerous, the disease is evidently due to a specific virus of great infectiveness, and is more active and contagious at certain seasons and under certain conditions of the atmosphere. By some it has been supposed that it is due to a miasma in the air, but the character of its infection indicates that the true virus is of a germinal nature. Complicated cases recover, but in the aged and in the delicate we may see fatal results, due usually to the profound depression or the high temperature to which the individual is subjected. There is much redness and swelling of the mucous membranes of the nose and throat, a bronchitis and a catarrhal state of the stomach and intestines. These may all be present, or the disease may center upon one particular portion of the animal economy, and manifest its ravages there alone. Symptoms. The attack usually resembles an ordinary catarrh of cold. In some cases the nasal catarrh is absent, or very mild, and the infection invades the general system, with much fever. A very striking manifestation of the disease is the severe nervous troubles which are present at the outset, consisting of headache, pain in the back and legs, and a general soreness of the muscles and bones as if bruised or beaten. The pulse is usually feeble and small intermittent. The disease may center in the brain, 
producing delirium. Mental disorders are not uncommon, and there is usually following the disease more or less inaptitude for mental work and a tendency to depression of spirits. In many cases there is a severe diarrhea, and the individual suffers much from pain and discomfort in the abdomen. This is a gastrointestinal irritation, and apparently favors an early recovery, and usually there are less severe sequels in such cases. The most dangerous complication is pneumonia. These cases may follow bronchitis, or the grip may begin with well-characterized symptoms of this disease, for which see the chapters upon this trouble. The sputum may not be rusty until after several days. The crisis is usually slow, and a considerable proportion recover, the disease frequently showing a sudden change for the better, and the patient being up and around in a few days. Cases complicated with pneumonia are the most indefinite in their symptoms, and require the closest attention. Treatment. In every case the disease must be regarded as a dangerous one, and the patient be confined to bed and indoors until all fever has disappeared. Otherwise sudden and serious manifestations are liable to appear at any time. The patient must be well fed and nourished from the outset. The bowel should be acted upon by mild laxatives, such as castor oil or dry pierces pleasant pellets, using from one to three. It is also of advantage afterward to move them twice each day, by the injection of warm water, to which has been added a teaspoonful of table salt to each pint. This injected into the rectum, using the water slightly tepid or cool if the patient is feverish, will tend to soften the actions from the bowels and favor the escape of poisonous matter. The cool water has also a soothing effect upon the fever and nervous system. If the fever is high, and there is delirium, small doses of aconite, with water, should be used every half hour or hour, but all depressing agents of this kind must be used with caution, as profound prostration sometimes develops. Warm baths, repeated frequently and followed by hot lemonade, are of the greatest benefit in reducing the feverish condition and quieting the patient. The bed should be warmed after these are administered and the patient given hot lemonade to bring on free action of the skin, kidneys, and bowels, where the pulse is weak. The free use of stimulants, as wine, coffee, tea, and brandy or whiskey, are required, as the great danger of the disease is a depression of the heart, in severe bronchitis, pneumonia, and other complications. Appropriate treatment should be applied. Acute nasal catarrh, acute nasal catarrh, or cold in the head, is an acute inflammation of the mucous membrane lining the nasal passage which may confine itself to these parts or extend to the pharynx, larynx, and air passages below, or affect the auxiliary sinuses or cavities communicating with the nasal passages. The most frequent cause of cold in the head is exposure to sudden changes in temperature or draughts of cool air, without taking proper precaution to protect the body so as to prevent the rapid radiation of animal heat. In most cases there is an inherited tendency or acquired weakness, which frequently may be associated with a scrofulous condition of the whole system, that render these points less resistant, and consequently invite the morbid changes which result from exposure and cold. Acute catarrh also occurs during the initial stage of such eruptive diseases as measles, typhus, typhoid, erysipelas, etc. Seldom do we meet with an otherwise healthy individual, who is subjected to a frequent cold in the head, in pure blood, inherited scrofulous taints, enfeebled circulation, debility, either general or nervous, are all advanced agents, inviting catarrhal disease, and preventing rapid recovery from an acute attack, so that a low grade of chronic catarrh is generally the sequence. Symptoms, the attack is visually ushered in by a chill, 
or chilly sensation, feeling of lassitude, followed by a slight fever. These symptoms are not as distressing as the sense of fullness about the eyes and frontal region, and prickling dry heat, with more or less obstruction in the nostrils. A few hours later follows a copious, acrid watery discharge, which gradually becomes thick and yellow. Often the inflammatory action may extend to the orifice of the eustachian tube, causing obstruction with temporary deafness, or ringing in the ears. Severe facial neuralgia may be caused by the pressure from the swollen parts upon the branches of sensitive nerves. Treatment, in the mild forms of acute catarrh, or corza, only simple treatment is required. A hot foot bath on retiring at night, with a full dose of drive pierces compound extract of smart weed, to produce free perspiration will generally break up the attack. Should the discharge from the nostrils continue, Dr. Sage's catarrh remedy should be freely used for two six times each day until the symptoms are controlled, in case the bowels do not act. A full dose of drive pierces pleasant pellets may be taken at that time. Avoidance of exposure to cold, and light vegetable diet, are advisable, in the more severe attacks, especially when complicated by laryngeal or bronchial symptoms. The most decisive measures should be employed. The compound extract of smart wheat should be taken freely, together with hot drinks, or a hot general bath. The patient should be warmly covered in bed to encourage a continued perspiration, to equalize the circulation, and subdue the inflammation. Dr. Pierce's golden medical discovery should be taken in teaspoonful doses four times each day in all cases that are complicated or protracted. Individuals suffering from frequent colds will do wisely to fortify their systems by taking a few bottles of the golden medical discovery to improve nutrition, purify the blood and thus aid nature in overcoming such inherited tendency or required weakness as may be their misfortune to possess. Remember frequent attacks of acute catarrh prepare fertile soil for the chronic form which oftentimes is so loathsome and destructive. Chronic nasal catarrh, oseatine, in consequence of repeated attacks of acute catarrh, or cold in the head, as it is usually termed, the mucous membranes of the nose and the air passages of the head become permanently thickened. The mucus follicles or glands diseased, and their functions either destroyed or very much deranged. Although chronic catarrh is most commonly brought on in the manner above stated, it sometimes makes its appearance as a sequel of typhoid fever, scarlet fever, measles, or other eruptive fevers, or shows itself as a local manifestation of scrofulous or syphilitic taints in the system. Injury to the nose may result in a displacement of one or more of the bony structures. Setting up a chronic inflammation with catarrh at that point, in the early stages of the disease, the patient may be annoyed with only a slight dropping into the throat, as many express it, the amount of the discharges from the air passages of the head at this stage of the disease being only slightly in excess of health, in some cases the discharge is thick, ropey, and tough, requiring frequent and strong efforts in the way of blowing and spitting, to remove it from the throat, in which it frequently lodges, in other cases, or in other stages of the same case, the discharge is thin, watery, acrid, irritating, and profuse. The nose may be stopped up from the swollen and thickened condition of the lining mucous membrane, so as to necessitate respiration through the mouth, giving to the voice a disagreeable nasal twang. From the nature of the obstruction in this condition, it is useless for the sufferer to endeavor to clear the passage by blowing the nose, this only tends to render a bad matter worse. By increasing the irritation and swelling of the already thickened lining membrane, the swelling of the mucous membrane does not in all cases become so great as to cause obstruction to a respiration through the affected passages. 
In some cases, the patient suffers from headache a great portion of the time, or experiences a dull, heavy, disagreeable fullness or pressure in the head, with a confusion of his ideas, which renders him quite unfit for business, especially such as requires deep thought and mental labor. Memory may be more or less affected, and the disposition of those who are otherwise amiable is often rendered irritable or morose and despondent. The mental faculties suffer to such an extent in some cases as to result in insanity. The sense of smell is in many cases impaired, and sometimes entirely lost, and the senses of taste and hearing are not infrequently more or less affected. Oseadiene, the ulcerous or more aggravated stage of the disease, from the offensive odor that frequently attends it, is denominated ozena. The secretion which is thrown out in the more advanced stages of chronic catarrh becomes so acrid, and healthy, and poisonous, that it produces severe irritation and inflammation, which are followed by excoriation and ulceration of the delicate membrane which lines the air passages in the head. Although commencing in this membrane, the ulceration is not confined to it, but gradually extends in depth, until it frequently involves all the component structures of the nose cartilage and bone, as well as fibrous tissues. As the ulceration extends up among the small bones, the discharge generally becomes profuse and often excessively fetid, requires the frequent use of the handkerchief, and renders the poor sufferer disagreeable to both himself and those with whom he associates. Thick, tough, brownish incrustations, or hardened lumps, are many times formed in the head, by the evaporation of the watery portion of the discharge. These lumps are sometimes so large and tough that it is with great difficulty that they can be removed. They are usually discharged every second, fourth, or fifth day, but only to be succeeded by another crop. Portions of cartilage and bone, or even entire bones, often die, slough away, and are discharged, either in large flakes, or blackened, half-decayed, and crumbly pieces, or, as is much more commonly the case, in the form of numerous minute particles, that escape with the discharge and are unobserved. It is painfully unpleasant to witness the ravages of this terrible disease, and observe the extent to which it sometimes progresses. Holes are eaten through the roof of the mouth, and great cavities excavated into the solid bones of the face. In such cases only the best and most through treatment will check the progress and fatal termination of the disease. Complications. Catar, or Ozena, is liable to be complicated, not only by the system, blood, and fluids, suffering from scrofulous or other taints, as has already been pointed out, but also by an extension of the diseased conditions to other parts beyond the air passages of the head, occasionally deformities of the septum or other internal structures also polypi or tumors, are sources of constant irritation and accelerate catarrhal disease, disease of the throat, the acrid, irritating and poisonous discharge, which, in some stages of disease, almost constantly runs down over the delicate lining membrane of the pharynx throat, is liable to produce in the sensitive membrane a diseased condition similar to that existing in the air passages of the head. The throat may feel dry, husky, and at times slightly sore or raw, or, from the mucopurulent discharge that is almost constantly dropping down over its surface, the patient may feel very little inconvenience from the disease of the throat until it is far advanced the moistening and lubricating effect of the matter that drops on the surface tending to blunt the sensibility of the parts. See pharyngitis for symptoms and treatment. The extension of the disease to the larynx. The larynx, situated directly below the pharynx throat, is subjected to the influence of the same irritation from acrid and poisonous discharges dropping into the throat from the head. 
more or less of it is removed by hawking and spitting, but some remains and is drawn into the larynx, or still lower into the trachea windpipe, with the inspired air. Thus the disease creeps along the continuous mucous surfaces of the air passages, the acrid poisonous discharge arousing in its track the irritation, inflammation, ulceration, and thickening of the lining membrane which characterize the disease in other portions of the air passages. The symptoms and treatment of laryngitis will be found under its appropriate classification, bronchitis and consumption. We have already detailed the manner in which the throat, larynx, and trachea, in succession, become affected from catarrh, or ozena, by the same process of extension, the bronchial tubes, and lastly, the parenchyma, or substance of the lungs, in their turn, become diseased, and bronchitis and consumption are firmly established, tightness in the chest, with difficulty of breathing, soreness, darting, sharp, or dull, heavy pain, or a prickly, distressing sensation. Accompanied with more or less cough and expectoration are evidences that the bronchial tubes have become affected, and they should admonish the sufferer that he is now standing on the stepping stone to consumption, over which thousands annually tread, in their slow journey to the grave. Illustration, Figure 8. Internal and External Ear. External Ear. Internal Auditory Medus. Tympanum. Labyrinth. Eustachian Tube. Deafness. By means of a small canal, called the Eustachian Tube. An air passage and communication between the throat and midlear is formed. See figure 8. This passage is lined by a continuation of the mucous membrane which covers the throat and nasal passages. The catarrhal inflammatory process, by continuity of surface, follows the mucous membrane, thickening its structure, until the eustachian tube is closed, and the beautiful mechanism of the internal ear is rendered useless, while the thickening of the mucous membrane is going on and the passage is gradually becoming closed and the process sometimes extends through several years. The patient will occasionally, while blowing the nose, experience a crackling in one or both ears, and hearing becomes dull, but returns suddenly, accompanied with a snapping sound. This may be repeated many times, until, finally, hearing does not return, but remains permanently injured. In other cases the hearing is lost so gradually that a considerable degree of deafness may exist before the person is really aware of the fact. Either condition is often accompanied with noises in the head of every conceivable description, increasing the distress of the sufferer. The delicate bones of the ear are sometimes detached from their articulations. The drum is ulcerated and perforated, and through the orifice thus made, the bones or small spicoli may escape with the thick, purulent, and offensive discharge. Closure of the tear duct, the lacrimal duct, or passage tear duct, which, when in a healthy condition, serves to convey the tears from the eye into the nose, may be closed by the same inflammatory and thickening process which we have already explained. This condition is usually attended with watery and weak eyes, the tears escaping over the cheeks, and sometimes producing irritation and excoriation. The nasal branch of the ophthalmic nerve sometimes participates in the ulceration going on in the head so that the eyes are sympathetically affected, they sometimes become congested or inflamed, and sharp pain in the eyeballs may be experienced, indigestion, dyspepsia, etc., a large portion of the acrid, poisonous, purulent discharge, which drops into the throat during sleep, is swallowed, this disturbs the functions of the stomach, causing weakness of that organ, and producing indigestion, dyspepsia, nausea, and loss of appetite. Many sufferers complain of a very distressing, gnawing sensation in the stomach, or an all-gone, 
or, faint feelings, as they often express it. Symptoms. Dull. Heavy headaches through the temples and above the eyes, indisposition to exercise, difficulty of thinking or reasoning, or concentrating the mind upon any subject, lassitude, indifference respecting business, lack of ambition or energy, obstruction of nasal passages, discharges voluntarily falling into the throat, sometimes profuse, watery, acrid, thick and tenacious, mucus, purulent, mucopurulent, bloody, concrete blood and pus, putrid, offensive, etc. In others, a dryness of the nasal passages, dry, watery, weak, or inflamed eyes, ringing in the ears, deafness, discharge from the ears, hawking and coughing to clear the throat, ulcerations, death and decay of bones, expectoration of putrid matter, stickily of bones, scabs from ulcers leaving surface raw, constant desire to clear the nose and throat, voice altered, nasal twang, offensive breath, impairment or total deprivation of the sense of smell and taste, dizziness, mental depression, loss of appetite, nausea, indigestion, dyspepsia, enlarged tonsils, raw throat, tickling cough, difficulty in speaking plainly, general debility, idiocy, and insanity, all the above symptoms, as well as some others which have been previously given, and which it is not necessary here to repeat, are common to this disease in some of its stages or complications, yet thousands of cases annually terminate in consumption or chronic bronchitis, and end in the grave, without ever having manifested one half of the symptoms enumerated. Varieties. People often suppose that there are a great many varieties or species of catarrh. This is an error. The nature of the disease is the same in all cases, the symptoms only varying with the different stages of the disorder, and the various complicated conditions which are liable to arise, and which have already been planned out. Causes. Anything which debilitates the system, or diminishes its powers of evolving animal heat and withstanding cold or sudden changes of atmospheric temperature and other disease-producing agencies, renders the individual thus enfeebled very liable to catarrh. Among the most common debilitating agencies are a scrofulous condition of the system, or other impurities of the blood, exhaustive fevers, and other prostrating acute diseases, or those badly treated, exhaustive and unnatural discharges, intemperance, excessive study, self-abuse, adversity, grief, want of sleep, syphilitic taints of the system which may have been contracted unknowingly, or may have been inherited, having perhaps been handed down even unto the third or fourth generation, to an innocent posterity from infected progenitors, to sudden rest after great and fatiguing exercise, and living in poorly ventilated apartments. These are among the most fruitful causes of those feeble, deranged, or impure conditions of the system to which guitar so frequently owes its origin. Although the immediate or exciting cause is generally repeated attacks of cold in the head, which, being neglected or improperly treated, go on from bad to worse. Yet the predisposing or real cause of the disease is in the majority of cases, an enfeebled, impure, or otherwise faulty condition of the system, which invites the disease, and needs only the irritation produced in the nasal passages by an attack of cold, to kindle the flame and establish the loathsome malady. Some people are convinced with difficulty that there exists in their system a weakness, impurity, or derangement of any kind, which permitted the disease to fasten itself upon them. They may not feel any great weakness, may not have any pimples, blotches, eruptions, swellings, or ulcers, upon their whole person, in fact, nothing about them that would, except to the skilled eye of the practical and experienced physician, 
indicate that their system is weakened or deranged with bad humors, and yet such a fault may, and generally does, exist, as an ulcer upon the leg, or a fever sore, or an eruption upon the skin, may be the only outward sign of a fault in the system. So frequently chronic catarrh is the only sign by which a bad condition of the system manifests itself in a manner that is perceptible to the sufferer himself, or to the non-professional observer, the finely skilled physician, whose constant practice makes his perceptive faculties perfect in this direction, would detect the constitutional fault, as an experienced banker detects a finely executed and dangerous bank note which the unpracticed eye would pronounce genuine. Treatment if you would remove an evil strike at its root, as the predisposing or real cause of Qatar Island in the majority of cases, some weakness, impurity, or otherwise faulty condition of the system, in attempting to cure the disease our chief aim must be directed to the removal of that cause, the more we see of the odious disease, the more so we the importance of combining, with the use of a local, soothing and healing application, a thorough and persistent internal use of blood cleansing and tonic medicines, as a local application for healing the diseased condition in the head. Dr. Sage's guitar remedy is beyond all comparison the best preparation ever invented. It is mild and pleasant to use, producing no smarting or pain, and containing no strong, irritating, or caustic drug, or other poison. Its ingredients are simple and harmless, yet when scientifically and skillfully combined, in just the right proportions, they form a most wonderful and valuable healing medicine like gunpowder, which is formed of a combination of saltpeter, sulfur, and charcoal. The ingredients are simple, but the product of their combination is wonderful in its effects. The remedy is a powerful antiseptic, and speedily destroys all bad smell which accompanies so many cases of catarr, thus affording great comfort to those who suffer from this disease. The reader's mind cannot be too strongly impressed with the importance of combining thorough constitutional with the local treatment of this disease. Not only will the cure be thus more surely, speedily, and permanently, effected, but you thereby guard against other forms of disease breaking out, as the result of humors in the blood or constitutional derangement or weakness, in curing catar and all the various diseases with which it is so frequently complicated, as throat, bronchial, and lung diseases, weak stomach, cataral deafness, weak or inflamed eyes, impure blood, scrofulous and syphilitic taints. The wonderful powers and virtues of the golden medical discovery cannot be too strongly extolled. It has a specific effect upon the lining mucous membranes of the nasal and other air passages, promoting the natural secretion of their follicles and glands, thereby softening the diseased and thickened membrane, and restoring it to its natural, thin, delicate, moist, healthy condition. As a blood purifier, it is unsurpassed as those diseases which complicate catarrh are diseases of the lining mucous membranes, or of the blood, it will readily be seen why this medicine I, 